You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Welcome to another episode of the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm Jared Smith. The campus visit is a make or break moment for many prospective students, yet as schools around the country have made their way back to campus, selling the residential experience has been anything but business as usual. In this episode, we'll explore the current state of the campus visit and some of the most important challenges facing both schools and students. Joining us in the conversation is Jeff Calais, a nationally recognized expert in the campus visit and a senior VP of enrollment consulting at Echo Delta. We discuss what Jeff has seen firsthand while visiting dozens of schools around the country over the past few months, ways students are thinking differently about spaces and places on campus, the very real challenge of recruiting and retaining campus ambassadors and what schools can do about it, and what prospective families touring your campus care about most right now and how your campus tours should adjust to better meet their needs. This episode is full of sharp and timely observations from a leading campus visit consultant. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff Calais. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, Jared, it's great to be here always. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I didn't know you'd want me back after previous episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. Uh, Yeah. And also welcome to Echo Delta. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome to have you here. And it's great to be part of... um, this brand. Oh, well, thanks for that. Well, Jeff, you have probably more than any other person I know been on the road. You're the quintessential road warrior. How many campuses have you been on since travel opened up? Uh, 2030, I think, for this year. 26 uh, in Q3 and Q4 of 2021. As soon as I could get on a plane with my vaccination card, I did. And it was that was interesting because campuses were just reopening. Some were still shuttered. Um, and there were a few campuses where the pandemic really took a toll on the physicality of campus. And there were a couple of clients I said, you should not be giving tours because your campus looks like you could film The Walking Dead or, or any yeah. other post-apocalyptic <laughs> genre yeah. on that campus. Right. This is right. Great resignation. Shortage of maintenance, landscaping, all those things. But I think that has improved with the fall semester. Um, I think people started cleaning up their campuses more. Um, So definitely shifts along the way that I've noticed. Yeah. So I know that you have, uh, you know, even this week have been on multiple campuses all around the country. Three. Three. Yeah. That's (laughs) also 31 campuses, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Three or I don't know. It's (laughs) it's an impressive uh, tempo that you keep up with. What are some of the the biggest things that jump out at you right now about the state of the campus tour? And I guess maybe just the state of of the residential experience right now. Let me take that last the latter part first and then we'll hone into the campus tour because I think the context is related. I would say. We. You have a, a, not a lost generation, but you have the majority of your college students that only know their campus via the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that has created the pandemic fatigue that we're all reading about. Right, I was listening about what happened in Canada and how that happened. 
so I think that there's an enormous amount of unhappiness with students. It's not what I was sold. They're stressed out anxiety, all of those things that I think we're all feeling. I think for them all the more um, being the, the, the COVID restrictions are taking its toll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think is is uniform around the country or or to what extent does that vary? I'm, I'm thinking back to, um, you know, I was just watching SEC football this fall, my Georgia Bulldogs you know, one. And unlike the year before, we had packed stands, you know, and and people sitting cheek to cheek in the in the stands cheering on their teams. And so it was just a marked change. And it kind of made me wonder, it's like, all right, what is the what is the sort of pandemic experience look like for those maybe some of those big flagship state schools versus, you know, schools in other parts of the country? Um, how uniform is and, it? And I've been to New York, California, Georgia, Florida this year. And and I geography does play a bit, but even within a more red state, some of the campuses are a bit more restricted. So I, I think the geography plays into that. But then a campus, and I'm just going to step out here, Jared, is I, I think that because faculty tend to lean more to the left. I think they have been really adamant and stringent with the COVID protocols. And I think that they've also gotten used to remote work. To your point of what have I seen on campus tours, I've seen a lot of empty offices or offices that are closed and shuttered Mm -hmm. with tape signs on them that says, we're only taking remote appointments. And, that sends some, an interesting message. <laughs> and some key offices like financial aid and the registrar. Right. So if I'm a family on tour, what is that? What cue is that signaling to me? Yeah. So I, I think that and I understand faculty are older. Other faculty have younger children. But I think that what has happened is you can remote some of the classroom experience you can't remote going to that football game, mm-hmm. living in the residence hall, eating in the dining hall. Yeah. So what I have learned from this is the students are stressed out. However, they are resilient. And one of the questions we always ask is, where's your favorite place or space on campus? You learn a lot from that. And it's never the state of the art rock climbing wall or computer lab. It's always a random bench or a couch on the seventh floor of the library hidden by the stacks where I take a nap. When I have when I've gone back to some long term clients, Jared, that I've been working with across, you know, Target X, Render Experiences, RNL and now Echo Delta. I was amazed how new favorite spaces and places popped up Mm. because of the pandemic. And new traditions were created and a real shift in campus culture has happened. Yeah. Fraternity Rose got shut down. So the party ended there and now the party's moved off campus where it can be. Mm-hmm. And and so seniors are about to walk out the door in a couple months. And they were sophomores when the dominoes fell. Yeah. And that pre-pandemic campus is walking out the door with them. Yeah. 
the majority of our students again. And so now the majority of our tour guides only know their campus in this pandemic and they don't have the depth of some traditions and campus culture. Right. Because they haven't experienced it. Yeah. So as tour guides, they're struggling for stories to tell. Well, you know, it just like something that pops in my mind is you think of all the high schoolers that missed high school graduation. What are they going to tell their kids about what high school graduation is like? They don't they don't have uh, that to fall back on in the sort of the continuity of culture and tradition and all of that. I, I think faculty have locked and I'm going to step out on, you know, the opinions. <laughs> it's your inbox, Jeff, not mine. <laughs> Not, do not necessarily <laughs> represent Echo Delta on inside. All right. I, I think one, I, I know I'm always blaming faculty for everything, but I, but I also think as institutions, we have just done business as normal. Mm-hmm. We have not had proper sophomore orientations, right? We did an online orientation, but then when these students came back to campus, we we have not adapted to them, I think, yep. and supported them the way we should have. Mm-hmm. And I think they're adrift. Yeah. And they're unhappy. It, it, it is amazing. The seniors are either ready to get out, but they, they, they when, when, when I'll go on a campus and I'll have a senior tour guide do the morning tour, and then I'll have like a sophomore who, the, the sophomores, and they're second years, man. They've really, they've had it. Yeah, they got the raw deal their freshman they, year. High school, right? Yeah. 2020, their freshman year. They're really the one. Freshmen, I think, have a little bit, right? Because they could go to the crowded stadium this year. But, it, and they're struggling. They're struggling, I think, to make a connection. So I have to wonder how loyal are they going to be as alumni? Mm. So I think the question when this was all falling when the dominoes were falling, we were saying how you take care of your students now will be the measure of how families look at you. But I think how you've been taking care of your students during the pandemic and how are you going to reorient them, not business as usual mm-hmm. as we come into an endemic stage? Yeah. I don't think anyone's thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So in the schools that you've been, I mean, this seems like just a huge gap. Yes. I, I could have been on two different campuses when a senior gives me a tour and then that sophomore who's trying their best, but doesn't have the, and we try to take them deeper. You do have stories. You do have a favorite class. You do have off-campus learning experience, all those things that you do have stories. They're not the norm, but it, it Jared, it's like being on two different campuses. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has been two different experiences at that one school. So talking about the tour guides, what, man, I feel for them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough job. And how many schools are struggling right now that you've come across just to get tour guides in the first place? There's been a lot of turnover. um, And a lot of that is just students. I think colleges rushed to reopen their tours, even when the rest of campus wasn't. And I think a lot of tour guides were not did not feel safe during the pandemic to give tours. And so I think we lost a lot of really great tour guides because of that. Mm -hmm. No matter the protocols, only outside mask on, you know, 
try giving a tour on a balmy campus with a mask on. Yeah. And only staying outside. <laughs> it's like, not awesome. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the fun has been taken out of it. And so you have that component of it. You have the lack of experiences and depth of connection or what I was sold is not what was delivered to me. So then you have the great resignation. Right. This is just the higher ed version of that. Absolutely. For your student and, workers. And, and so you figure admissions staffs have been or have been impacted. Oh, yeah. So that person that might have been the champion of the tour, right, that campus visit director or that the person that was the champion of the ambassador student group might have resigned and gone somewhere else. So 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 then or I can get a job at fast food paying $15 an hour. Why am I going to volunteer to be a student guide? Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago, I would have always told our clients, particularly at small privates like the ones you and I graduated from for our undergrad. Your private school, they should volunteer. That's gone out the door. There isn't a school I would say your tour guide should be volunteer mm -hmm. with not every college. I think with Gen Z being more diverse, more first gen, we want more students from underserved. We want more access. We have to rethink this notion. Then not everyone has the luxury to volunteer. Right. They, they right. They, they have to help at home. They have jobs. They can make more money. I think this notion of we got we have to realize middle class and upper middle class, predominantly white millennials could volunteer. Mm -hmm. They were also civic minded. Let's all team up. Rah, High rah. school musical. Yep. We're all in this together. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's changed. And, and most clients, most of my clients are coming around this. We have to pay them and we have to pay them well, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no matter the school. Yeah. And so I think that I hear a lot from, from the few tour guide groups where students are not paid, they'll come up to me after I do the workshop and they're like, hey, is the norm to pay students out of the <laughs> students? I mean, because Gen Z is so fiscally and financially Very savvy. practical. Yes. Yeah. So then you layer on, everyone is stressed out. Everyone has, you know, put, the mask has polarized or been politicized. And we're, we're having a 18 or 19 year old try to tell families to keep their masks on during a tour. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say generation X parents are mean people on campus tours. And I am diamond medallion on the gen X bitter bus, but I'm always apologizing to tour guides when I talk about Gen X and yeah. you know, the, the session about Gen X and Gen Z is why are parents so mean and why don't students talk? The students just <laughs> die laughing. Right. And I'm like, I'm yeah. apologizing for my generation. And then when I give in the insights, I would not want to be a tour guide in 2022. Right. And I tell the guides that and thank them all the more for the work they're doing. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. I've heard people call it the great reevaluation, and uh, it's just interesting to see that. I know that um, well around the office, you know, uh, you and me and uh, uh, our friend and colleague Laura Martin Fedich and Scott Rhodes. We've been talking about you know that that applying to admissions counselors as well, sort of our frontline folks, and seeing the exact same pattern repeat itself there too. And and what do we do about that? So I guess the the question is. 
what else might we do to begin to right the ship a little bit and sort of get back on track? Absolutely. So I think that let's remember, I'm just going to say the word sales, right? That, that ambassadors, tour guides, you know, really are million dollar salespeople. When you add up the total cost to attend, say, a private yeah. <laughs> for four years, forget, you know, like, and then, you know, quarter of a million for four years cost, right? Mm-hmm. List price. Have four families or do that's a million dollars, right? There's an equation we do. Yeah. So I think the pay is definitely so salespeople are motivated by four factors, money or greed, social interaction, recognition and quality of life. We're predominantly motivated by two. So I think it's right now money. Number one, Mm -hmm. what admissions or marketing people, the managers of ambassadors, tour guides have to do is figure out overall for their group. What's the second motivator? Mm -hmm. One One of our clients, it's recognition, right? The students want to be ambassadors to get that cord for commencement. Right. So we were like, okay, let's create the medallion that seniors can compete with that gets attached to yeah. their cord. Yeah. Right. For even greater recognition. A bigger gold star. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then we're creating a point system, like they're getting paid, but you want the cord. Well then do you want the medallion? Right. Yeah. So, or is it recognition amongst peers? Recon- so they they added business cards because the students mm-hmm. want to hand those out. Right. And that performance professional kind of way. Interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, particularly in networking and you never mm-hmm. know who a parent is or who a parent knows, but that is a form of, I'm, I'm a professional. This is a resume. I think that most students, they do want it for a resume builder. Mm-hmm. So I think talking to them in those practical terms of this is going to look great on your resume. You're a million dollar salespeople. Here's the skills you're going to get. We have, we're with millennials. We're just, you love your school. Come do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so then or is it is it social interaction? Are the do the ambassadors need to be a default club? Right. Or do they want to socially interact with the admissions team and the social interaction they get with families? And then the fourth one is quality of life. What are the pain points of being a student that you can remove for your ambassadors? Mm-hmm. is that early registration, priority registration, so they can schedule a schedule that allows them time to get hours of giving tours. Is it priority parking near the visitor center if it's a big public campus so they can make their shift to give tours? Yeah. Is it priority housing or a housing discount? Or So I think it's fine that money's the top of the, of the remaining three, recognition, social interaction, quality of life. Mm-hmm. Ask your tour guides mm-hmm. and then plan based upon that. Yeah, that's that's a, a really interesting uh, perspective. Certainly different than my student worker experience. <laughs> um, so They want it on their resume. Yeah. Right, which is why we used to have cute names for tour guides, mm-hmm. Quaker Oats, the Youngstown State Penguin, right? Google for College with Quaker Oats off admissions touring staff, right? The Penguin Icebreakers at Youngstown State. Now just call them admissions interns, admissions fellows, something that they can put on their resume. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Okay. Let me uh, step back a little bit. Um, back in the fall, we were having a conversation about sort of the, uh, 
uh, flipping the order of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, the flip of the hierarchy. Uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm kind of curious. I think this is less about the the uh, student ambassadors, more about the families that they're interacting with, and the students and, and parents and whatnot. But you had made the observation. Traditionally in higher ed, we've kind of led with the top of Maslow's hierarchy, all about becoming your best self and all of that. But actually what parents coming out of the pandemic are really concerned about are the basic things, food, safety, mental health counseling, all the basics. And we'll get to the self-activation later. Um, don't hit them with that right out of the gate. What's your feeling on that now? Is it just a continuation? Has that changed? What are you seeing from the parents and families that are coming in right now? The audience demand for the basics, right? And, le and let's remember the setup of that, Jared, is that boomers won the birthplace lottery and institutions were great to them. So when they loaded up the minivan in the late 90s and took millennials on tours, right? How are you going to make my bumper sticker millennial all the more bumper sticker worthy? Right. right? What else can I brag about? <laughs> my millennial. On my Pacifica. All right. So, <laughs> so, so they trusted institutions. Why would the food not be good? Why would, you know, and I think that, but then that's also where the amenities arms race started mm -hmm. in higher ed. So again, Gen X, because institutions failed us and bailed on us and we've kind of raised ourselves, we don't trust institutions. We as Americans don't trust institutions, mm -hmm. but Gen X was doing that long before it was fashionable. Mm -hmm. Early adopters. Absolutely. Of the That's what yeah. we do, right? That, that, that uh, forgotten generation or looked over generation, I said, say. So now the demand, as you said, for those things is all the more. And where are the places because of the pandemic we, not, we have not taken them into? Mm -hmm. Food, housing. Yeah. Wellness centers. Yeah. Yeah. So when our clients recognize that desire and have the gumption to flip the hierarchy, to lead with housing, to lead with food. I mean, I was at a top 20 national liberal arts colleges in the very fall, and there was not one question about academics. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very, it was, can freshmen have a car? Very first question asked. Yeah. Because a car is an escape pod. Right. Can my child get home if they it's need to? Correct. It's yeah. not a luxury. It's yeah. an escape pod. So that demand is still all the more stronger or all the more in desire. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the pandemic, right? If you're selling place-based education, because I don't have to go to college or I can sit in front of a screen right. and get my degree, then the place does matter more and more with families. Do you, this is like, Does that answer your question? yeah, no, I okay. think it did. Uh, you mentioned the, the amenities arms race, right? You know, lazy rivers on yeah. campus and luxury housing, luxury housing. First time I saw sushi in a dining hall back in 2008. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. I wonder if, wait, the, and a sushi chef was in the dining wow. hall. <laughs> I wonder with these very fiscally responsible, students coming up, if that might also be in some ways, do you think it could become a liability, a turnoff? Oh, like, oh. wait a minute, this is why my private residential education is so expensive. It's because I'm paying for a sushi chef. Like, talk to me about outcomes. Talk to me about my career opportunities. How fast can I get my degree? How many yeah. credits can I come in with? And I think this comes back to the psychology of the Gen X parent 
who is now on those campus tours mm-hmm. and has been following boomers their whole life, right? We built schools for boomers, then we closed them because there weren't enough Xers. And now they're coming on campuses where we built all of this stuff for boomers' children. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, great, I gotta pay for this. Right. Right? They're right. even extra mad at. Yeah. Same thing, both the parents and the students. I, I think that's the rock climbing wall, the lazy river. Okay, that's great if it fits into wellness. That's really the key word you hear with this generation. It's mm-hmm. wellness, it's that totality of mental and physical and dietary, but it's really where's the career center? Where's the counseling center? Where's the support that's going to get me my degree and get me gainfully employed or to the next level of my education? Right. That's what they're, so I do think they're questioning that. Oh. Why does it cost this much? How fast can I get through? How many AP credits? How many, what IB can I bring? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, You know, another thing I know we've been talking around the office a little bit about is the sort of volume of pre-app visits changing. Yes. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that when it first opened, we saw as many as we could hold. But then I think because people... I think campus visits became the new Six Flags, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When a lot of my clients, you know, in, in the summer of like 2020 or the fall, were asking, "Why are you here?" and they're like, "Well, you were open." Yeah, <laughs> no, I've I've heard that from clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I think as more things opened and we right as things opened up, I think that what you saw is the elites, of course, have a lot, but I. I think this fall, a lot of schools saw a decline in the pre-application visit this fall. Mm -hmm. That because Gen X parents have been monitoring their children online so much now, I think they are saying, and we have more and more technology Mm -hmm. and faster internet and everyone's created a virtual tour during the pandemic. I think the Gen X parent is saying, in this co-purchasing way, research online, see if you get in, see how much money they give us, and then we'll go visit. Yeah, we're not going to load up the the family Pacifica. Pacifica and go tour 15 schools. Correct. Right. We'll probably go to three or five. Give me your short list. When we're accepted. Yep. I, and we use our little Marriott points to say it's Spring Correct. Hill Suites all Back along the way. Back to that frugality, right? Back yeah. to that. And, and, and I think most of the students are in agreement with that. I mean, I think there's still plenty that are, but that has been a trend this fall. Interesting. Uh, there just haven't been enough. So we've been saying it's all about yield. It's all about yield. It's all about yield. Yeah. The uptick now. What are you thinking about as you're looking out over the next six months? Like what's kind of on your radar? Yeah. I, I, I and I've shared this with, um, I think I would like to develop better support for ambassadors and tour guides for our clients and for higher ed. Um, However, we can do that at Echo Delta. I'd like us to do that because it's needed. Yeah. Um, More, you know, we, our workshop is phenomenal, but it is that two hours on campus and it's that one hit, but what are we doing in a quarterly kind of way to support tour guides and ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is something that I think is, is to, to bring them back not to bring them back because I'm tired of thinking about going to the back. It's what is the campus door to be 
in an hopefully endemic stage. Instead of going to what we were doing, what are we really, what should we update to? So that's that future focus. The support of the guides and crafting a campus visit that is not what it was in February 2020, of what it should be in 2022. Well, good stuff, Jeff. It has been a pleasure talking to you, as always. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co.